0: Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. So, not the topic you probably were expecting, just yesterday. Um, I am, my name is Corey Gilbert, professor at Corbin University. Um, what I do is I teach on gender and sexuality and do so from a biblical perspective. This is to me one of the hardest topics for us to address. We need to be have an understanding of a biblical worldview of sexuality and gender. So we're just going to do kind of a survey of scripture today, building that foundation, the foundation of a biblical worldview. Um, this is what I, I teach in my classes. This is what I teach to my clients. This is what I do um, and have done for pretty much 22 years, I think it is. Um, a number of years ago, I founded the Healing Lives Center. I actually started the Healing Lives Ministry um, in, in 2000, so when Y2K was coming. <laughs> Remember that. And so my, my desire today is for us, as parents and grandparents, that we actually have a, a biblical understanding uh, what is gender and sexuality. Why? Because our sons and our daughters are facing things that none of us faced, questions that none of us actually thought was even possible to ask. It's, it's unbelievable. So a little bit about my family. This is my bride. This is the best day of my life. Um, my, when she walked down the aisle, as scared as she was, <laughs> to uh, marry me, this, is, this summer will be 19 years. Um, and, and a lot of what, uh, what we know to be true and central to sexuality and gender is going to be marriage, which is another area that's under attack nowadays. Now obviously when we have a day like this, what's supposed to come and what does come is um, these little critters. This is our picture from our, um, our, our directory picture. Just do the best you can, right? Just get one. shows their personalities, but it's amazing. This was a few years after we moved to Oregon. We used to live in Georgia, where um, right, I taught before. They grow up fast. Um, now I've got a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and 11-year-old, um, and their personalities play out really well, uh, they're just our, our joy, basically. It's also our, as you know, um, frustration. And actually, what I call them is they're my experiments. So, um, and they're actually, it's frozen. Oh, there it is, okay. This is us now. This is us past Christmas. These big guys. Both of my sons are taller than me. And what's crazy is they have their own view of the world. Like they're their own people. I can't make them think like I think. This is why I believe it is so critical of what we're going to talk about today. Um, what we're going to do today, and this is, we do, my family does so many adventures. We love to go out and just enjoy, love living here. Um... What we're going to do today is we're going to actually shed light rather than apply heat. That's really my heart, to shed light rather than apply heat. Because this is not necessary. This is what happens in a lot of settings, especially even at churches sometimes. When we talk about these hot topics, hard topics in a way that actually ends up being more harmful in the long run. Because I know someone here has to know or has to be in that place where you have a son or a daughter, a grandchild. Is really struggling, asking really hard questions. So that's today again. The purpose of this is to answer those questions. Uh, really, really important. So I'm a college professor. And we're going to be soaring through a bunch of scripture. So I see a lot of you have your Bibles. I'll have them on the screen because we're going to look at tons of scripture. Why? Because that should be our foundation. What does the Bible say about who we are as men, as and as women? in a world that wants to eliminate men and women, eliminate masculinity and femininity, eliminate and change and alter and um, even rid ourselves of marriage. So here we're gonna dive in. Um, becoming a redemptive voice in a sexually confused culture is what I kind of called this, because we, we need to know what to do. So our end result today is gonna be, what do we do? What do you and I do um, to, to be that voice? Romans 1, 24, we we'll gonna look at these few verses here. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. And notice those, those parts in yellow there. Sinful desires of their hearts. What we choose, and he turns us over to, Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations, sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did... Not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. That's why this is important. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. And then 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love. No mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them, which we'll come back to that verse as well. And then Romans 2.1 states, You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. So one of the first places we have to start with is we're all in the same boat in a sense. Sinners that require a blood sacrifice, require Christ to come. We're all in the same boat. But if we're not careful, we end up doing is we become the person that actually is a voice of anger and of insult and of harm. And so what I want to have to happen today is just to be able to think through. So what is a biblical worldview? And we're going to look at it through this kind of lens, the idea of um, – I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, oops, there you go. Tell you more about me in a second. We're going to look at it through the idea of the created order, but then what's disordered? So what's God's design? And then where did it go wrong? That's the two pieces. And then so what do you and I do today? Now, my, my story, I grew up in Tuguco, Chile. My, uh that's home, that's where I grew up. Missionary kid, um, very different culture, different world, um, went to the local Chilean schools, Chilean church. English was first language, but really kind of the second language, until my senior year, we moved back to America. Um, that was probably one of the most traumatic times of my life, to move back to the United States. Um, one of those God blessings, where the timing of it was right, it saved my mom's life. Uh, due to finding out she had cancer again and things like that, but it allowed for a little transition into the United States. But So this was home. This is what I knew in a very different culture, which means I'm this white guy, red hair, standing out like a sore thumb. Um, and I came to the United States, and I was on a mission trip about a, two years later, and a missionary family said, you know what? You do everything you can to stand out and you're just that little kid like you were in Chile who did stand out, who now came to America and you don't stand out. There's nothing special about you in a sense. So you're trying to figure out who you are. Um, And this was me. Get this. Come on. There it is. This is me in 1992, 93-ish. Everything I wore was purple and pink and as girly and as and that's who I was, my personality and It's interesting to think about that because it also led me into the counseling field, which led me into kind of that helping profession and I talk for a living and uh, um, I love, if you go to like a Super Bowl party, I'm in the kitchen talking with the people that like to talk, not watching whatever's on the screen, because I don't care and that's me. But I also grabbed onto motorcycles, so I'm a biker. That's kind of my other identity, if you will. But I didn't know who I was. When my wife and I were on our first date, I wore this purple suede coat. She was so embarrassed to be in public, seen in public with me. So one day she was like, are you hot? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I'll take your coat. What a nice lady. I never saw that coat again. Because <laughs> she was so embarrassed. And think about, for you and I, we have sons and daughters and, and those that we love that actually are like that. They, sh- they present themselves in a way that we're kind of like, I don't really know if I want to be seen with you. Or I don't understand you. I don't understand what you like. I don't understand the way that you live. There's so many questions we have for our sons and our daughters and our grandkids. And so this is what we actually have. We have a created order by God, but we actually have disorder, which we'll see as sin. And then we have us, you and me. Who am I? What, am, what are the questions that I'm asking about myself? What, what goes here? We're going to answer that question later on. What goes here for you and me? for us to do this well, to love well, to lead well. because I believe that we are the teachers of the next generation, and I feel like in some ways we also let that go. We've, we've abandoned that, as in this area of a biblical view of gender and sexuality. So this created order, let's start there. What is this created order? Just the basics. God made man, Genesis 127. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. Period. This is where it starts. There's a created order. And if you think about the order of this, too, it's interesting. When he created man, he didn't. Sin didn't enter the world yet. He actually created work. Some of us don't feel that way about our work. <laughs> Work's kind of a burden or a curse. no. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work is a beautiful thing. Yet the statistics say that the average American, 70% of Americans, hate their work. Which is heartbreaking. Because we passed it down to generation to generation of this thing you do that you hate versus loving to serve or loving to do whatever the craft or task is that you've been assigned. One of my favorite jobs I've ever had was janitor of our church when I was in seminary. Because I realized as a janitor of the church, I got to serve my church every day, every week. Every Saturday night, I was in the sanctuary, putting the chairs back in the sanctuary from when they had ripped it up from for Moana's on Wednesday night, every week. And I realized I loved to serve, not even realizing what I, was ahead for me and how many ways I was able to get to serve in the future. Work is a part of the design, the created order when man was made. And then God created a woman. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now think of the process of this. I just think this is fascinating. Because he didn't just make woman. First you put Adam through a little bit of a test. So the, the man gave the names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam there was no suitable helper. It's like, he went, Adam, I'm going to have you name all these animals. And think of this. It's probably days, if not weeks. If not months. And naming the animals is like, Not like me. Not like me. Not like me. And this is a man in perfect fellowship with God. We think that if we were in perfect fellowship with God, you was know, like we wouldn't need anybody else. No, even from the beginning, he made us missing something. Someone like me. And he created a woman. That's the design. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Wow man. Woman. Woman. For she was taken out of man." God created woman. And that was the design, the intentional design. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. There's something beautiful about this, this design. And then what do they do? What's the very next piece? Marriage. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. He created the design of marriage, began right here. And what is this? The simple definition of marriage. Two sexually different people. There is another combination. Not two men, not two women, not multiple people. That's the design. And so the two sexually different people coming together, it's actually the intention of to bring sperm and egg to make babies. Like, there's a purpose there. Now, thank goodness every time we have sex, it doesn't make a baby. That's a good thing, just if you haven't thought about it. But um, it's intended. The design is actually there. It's supposed to um, for a season, and then that season ends. Um, But that's the design. And then what happened next? Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is all pre-sin entering the picture. There's something beautiful about that. There's also something beautiful about now, why we clothe ourselves. We don't live in that world anymore. We clothe ourselves out of dignity, not out of being prudish. Our world wants to say the opposite. That we cover ourselves before we bring prudish. We should go live free. and No, we, it's dignity that covers that then allows the beauty of what happens in marriage. And then comes children. Proverbs 17, 6. Oops. Um, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Some of us may not have children. We we, we may not have made children. That's part also of the fall, but we don't have that. But we have children. As in there's something not only that was designed here with marriage, which by the way, marriage doesn't continue into heaven. What does continue into heaven? The church. This body here. That even though I'm a visitor here, I'm a part of you in the sense of the body of Christ, which is so beautiful. That does continue. And so children were meant to be a beautiful gift, not some burden or some nuisance or something getting in the way of dot, dot, dot. And then we have disorder. That's the creative design, the creative order. So then what happened next? And we know the answer. It's sin. Sin entered the picture. Well, let's look at how did sin enter the picture? What, what happened? Um, Genesis 3, 6-7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and went to Kmart and bought clothes. This is the beginning of the fall. And we actually even like to know... Eve, she's the one that did this, she's the one that started this. Actually, careful. Because who was given the command? Adam. Who was present? Adam. Who was silent? Adam. This is an indictment on us all on purpose. And here's where it's here's where the next piece where we kind of turns to. Where sin, I mean we're good at this. This is like a skill sometimes for us. We like to blame. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. We just, it's all downhill from there. We love to blame. We blame people for everything. You and I do this off, probably too often. It's part of who we are in that sinful nature of um, that fallenness. So, so where did we fail? Helper, he failed, Eve. This is where she failed to be the helper that she was meant to be. Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will make you pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And that's the first part of it. There's a second part of that that we often tend to miss in terms of the, the consequences of that sin. And your desire will be your husband, and he will rule over you. There'll be a desire to usurp, to take control, to be in charge, to be the boss. But as we can see later, it's not man's job to control and to dominate and all this other junk that we tend to see sometimes in our design of marriage. I tell a lot of young women who are pretty strong personalities that, you know, that I teach, I'm like, you basically, based off our definition of marriage, are not marryable Because you have an opinion. And you're stubborn. And oftentimes you teach a marriage picture that it's this strong man and this weak woman. And I'm like, that is gross. That's disgusting. Because the picture of the man is actually one of servant leadership, not of some dominance or some control. But we often get misunderstood. We misunderstand even the word submission if we're not careful. So this is where it begins, I guess you could say, the fall. For Adam, though, leadership failed. As I was saying, he was meant to lead already from that point, and he has failed. He did not speak to his wife at that point and say no to kind of put that boundary and what he him, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it, and all, all the days of your life you will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so what is the summary of this? man will struggle with and return to the earth. And women will have pain in childbirth and struggle with man. It's a consequence of sin. But then there's this question about, so then where do I fit into this? What do I need to do? Who am I? How does this play out for how I live my life? Um, And this is where it gets into the weeds of Gender and sexuality and all these letters that you see and all this kind of stuff. We have to talk through that and understand that. A lot of us don't want to. Um, I've spent my whole adult life learning and, and studying and learning about trauma and sexuality. And to me, if it doesn't, if God's word, if it doesn't fit in God's word, if God's word doesn't ring true with it, it's wrong. Research, opinion, anything else that come—that's the filter. God's word. So we look at. How you were created, gender in your your gender and sexuality. Psalms one thirty nine thirteen, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. There is an understanding of life being a conception, and life being valuable and precious from the beginning. Psalm one thirty nine fourteen. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What's crazy is how many of us don't believe that? We don't see our lives as that. We don't see ourselves as that. We don't see our bodies as that. We don't see our sexuality as that. We don't see anything. We, we have lost so much because of sin and because of the world that we live in. Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore... Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And the truth about where we end up, you and I are, are idol worshipers. It's just which one of you picked? Whether it's money, whether it's your job, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my hobby, whether it's my obsession. We put things in the way... Of where Christ actually belongs Who He meant to be in our life And it says Put to death those things There's our prescription Now we're, just, we're starting to see Here's my instruction What am I to do with anything that doesn't line up with scripture Put to death That's a tough instruction right there But Too often we either don't want to say it We definitely don't want to hear it It's so hard for us to do 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. These verses are very clear about a boundary that we actually don't want to have, in a sense. We want to be this wide open, um, accepting. And we're going to see that that's actually important, but with boundaries as well. What that looks like. First Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. There's something about the sexual that's actually different. That when you do something that's sinful there, there's a consequence that's much greater. But again, we often don't hear about this, talk about this much. Um, in First Thessalonians 4:3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. You should avoid sexual immorality. Again, another direct prescription. You are to be sanctified. We're going to look at so, what does that mean? What does that look like in terms of how I live my life? Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. There it is, right there. There's something I crave, and I am to. Kill it, die to that. The sinful nature wants to do evil. That is not how I'm supposed to be. The original design. But do the disorder sin, we have a problem. We all have a problem. And it's interesting because if you aren't careful, we're sitting here thinking, eh, this isn't my issue. I have no issues in that area. We put it, we put it, we narrow it down to You know, gender, sexuality, homosexuality, same-sex attraction, those kind of things, but look at this verse here. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. As in, we're all indicted. You have, you have had greed in your heart You have had envy in your heart You have had lust in your heart You have had outbursts of anger most likely And sometimes your outbursts of anger Weren't outbursts They were internal and self-focused And they were rather even more painful To you and To relationships Than if you had said anything We're all indicted on this And one of the things is The heading there it says attractions and desires I believe that these become a problem. We've been taught, and our kids have definitely been taught, that whatever you feel, go do it. If you're have, if you attracted in whatever way, go feel it, go do it, go express it, whatever you desire. We even do things like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be to our kids. No, you can't. Some of you can never be filling your dream job. You don't have the talents and skills, or the desire to put in the effort to get the work done to those, those skills. And it's interesting, there's a research study that showed the amount of um, time that boys spent on video games from about, I think it was like 15 to 30. They could have mastered any craft, any like violin, any kind of art, any kind of like high, high, high level that takes a bajillion hours to learn skill. Instead, they won a bunch of video games. Like, we're in a really weird world, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Um, It's crazy how we kill time with this. Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things who I'm meant to be. This is who I'm meant to be to my neighbor. This is who I'm meant to be to my son and daughter I disagree with. This is who I'm meant to be to those I vehemently disagree with. How they're living, what they're doing, anything. But oftentimes we miss that part. It can too easily easily miss that part. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Again, what are we to do to those things that are not of, of God? Die to those. They're to be crucified, to be let go of. Why is this such a big deal? We live in a culture of identity, identity politics. Like, who am I? The question that we all asked when we were younger, but not in the ways that it's being asked today. And so the people, the young people, are struggling and asking questions that sh- they should not be asking, but they are. So how do we navigate alongside them? It's waiting for that window where we can say, you know what, that is true. You might think that or feel that, but you're to die to that. Think about that conversation. If you were to have it with someone you're thinking of right now, and you know it wouldn't go well, because now is not the right time. It's praying for that right time to have those conversations. It's, speaking truth is great. I was called into a pastor's living room one day, and sitting there, this young lady had just been raped a few hours earlier, and the mother was sitting there. I'm 24, 25 years old at the time, brand new, shrink. And i was sitting there, and the pastor starts saying, everything, all, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And I just wanted to jump across the room. and True statement, bad timing. And I'm young, and I'm new, so I finally looked at her, and I was like, can you and I talk? She's like, yeah. I say, Y'all you know, get out <laughs> And they left the room and we talked What happened She needed to be heard And what I heard was a young lady who had been harmed So bad Yet already took on the shame It's all my fault I this, I shouldn't have done that All these. No, not at all Some of that might have been true You shouldn't have been at the party or you shouldn't have been drinking Yes, that's true, we'll get to that later But to be harmed is totally unacceptable so we had to deal with removing some of that shame, which you and I can so easily even hold on to 10, 20, 30, 40 years later. Shame was something done to me a long time ago that I still carry that is not meant to be my burden. Christ is meant, he wants to set me free. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's our calling of where we're meant to go. Not do whatever I want to do, but yet if we're not careful, again, it's like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How do you want to spend your money? It's all about me, 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 me. Not, Lord, how do you want me to impact this world? There was a a guy in uh, Georgia who lived, he owned this manufacturing company, and he had saved and saved and saved for this big trip to Italy. He was a very well-off man. He had a great company. And then one day he was like, you know what? We could go to this trip to Italy or I can build something that serves my employees. And he built a gym attached to his manufacturing company that was free for anyone that worked for him to use any time. Like, what a beautiful man. It was such a neat as he sought God as to what to do with that versus, hey, I just want to have pleasure. I want to have fun. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Again, a lot of what we end up going to, we end up being arrogant towards someone we disagree with. It's like we can't disagree anymore in our culture, that whole cancel culture, versus, hey, let's have a dialogue. Let me understand more why you think that or why you believe that. And When you're ready, I'd love to tell you my, my side of that or my perspective or my thoughts and build it and live in a relationship. Academics, academia, which is what I've been in for 17, 18 years is no longer a place to dialogue about differing opinions. It's, especially the secular world, very much, it's this one way, follow this, or else. It's, that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a place to dialogue and to learn and to grow. So where are we at? The truth is, we have a self-centered bent. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I am meant to look at my gay or lesbian or anyone around me that's different than me as better than myself. Why is this important? And Why is the, what I've talked about so far so important? The research shows that men and women that leave the church, and I'm speaking of gay and lesbians specifically right now, that leave the church, leave not because of the theology, a traditional view of marriage and gender sexuality. Only 3% leave for that reason. 97% leave because they were not loved. They were not given a space to just talk and hurt and wrestle with and ask questions. They had to hide. And so that's, that's hard for us to think about. How do we create an environment? And here's what's happened in our culture. The culture's created a, ironically, they don't want male or female, but they want this dichotomy. You either love me or you hate me like if a church were to say hey we're open to anyone to come oh that's a gay loving church yes but on the way you're trying to say it and spin it or no you're not allowed here so then this is a hating church and the, the the language has actually created that one or the other option and no to both of them the middle ground is this one in Chicago, there's this uh, gay and lesbian area of lots of men and women that live there and, and, and live do life there. And this researcher went and he said, Every Sunday, a whole bunch of these men and women go to a local church. She knows, you'll be surprised as to which local church they go to. They don't go to the liberal one. They go to the conservative one. They found that the liberal church comes and tells me, Oh, you're perfect the way you are, and they're like, Have you met me? I know I'm not. And so where do they go? They end up going to the church. They disagree with the theology on homosexuality, but they hear the gospel preached, and they hear conviction, and they hear a message that says, no, you're not okay. You need a savior, and they're drawn, and it's neat to see how many over the years. It's slow. Realize that the idol that they've actually put in front of them is their sexuality or their life, their lifestyle and they're not willing to surrender that for Christ. We are self-centered, bent. You've seen these letters, LGBTQIA+. It's heartbreaking, actually. Lesbian, (coughs) gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, plus. The goal is to be able to understand you're struggling. You're in a world where we actually all are in some way or another. We're wrestling with stuff. We're asking hard questions. We don't understand what in the world's going on in Ukraine and Russia and why in the world the economy is doing what it's doing. And there's so many things that just make no sense in some ways. But this is, I would say, one of the top um, areas that actually are hurting and harming our children right now. The teaching, the conversations about these areas. Why? It's about all normalization. You can't watch a TV show, you can't watch a movie without two same sex people kissing, doing something, relationships. The amount of shows we've started, and then all of a sudden, a few you know, episodes in, it's like. Oh. And we use that as a family to talk to our kids and teach and teach and teach and teach. This is reality, and you have a choice. Now, what is the answer? Well, marriage is between two sexually different people. Period. There is no other option. This is going to give me a lot of trouble. It does give me a lot of trouble. When two people of the same sex come to, to a wedding, and they come up here and they have their wedding wherever it's at, it's just an expensive party. Nothing is sealed in heaven. You can do whatever you want on earth in terms of the contract between you and the government saying you're married and now they can file taxes together. They can do all that. Great. Have fun. Nothing. is There's no God blessing, which I think is a very important thing. You have this idea of sexual identity and attractions. And what does this mean? Well, this has become centered. That means every man here who's ever been sexually attracted to anyone other than your wife Shame on you. Oh wait, your mind. Go for it, whatever you feel. Which one is it? Actually, it's called stewardship. And every woman who's ever had any thought or feeling towards someone else, it's called stewardship. We've gotten rid of that word. It's kind of just whatever goes. But this gets worse. Have you ever heard of, the, this is a new term, map? was coined a few months ago. Minor attractive persons. Pedophile is the word we know, but we don't want to, that's too mean. Because this is just a person who's attracted. it doesn't mean they've done anything. But this is where we're going, because this is the category that, now the LGBTQIA is gonna push back to not let that N go in there, I'm sure, but they're actually, LGB is pushing against T, We don't want the transgender, because that's actually gone too far as well where we've done drugs and surgeries to kids and minors that never should have been done. And we know that there's so many detransitioning. I hope lawsuits continue to come, because that's not acceptable. Because the data actually shows that 95-ish percent of all kids that are struggling with their gender identity, if you don't do anything, it works itself out by end of adolescence to be the gender they are created they were born in. What are we doing? We're experimenting on kids. But well, we've been doing that for a long time. With pharmaceuticals, you know, drugs, and all sorts of other things as well. This is this is heartbreaking. Minor attractive persons. This is I knew this was coming years ago and it has. It's here now. Another one though is polyamory. What is polyamory? It's three or more people in some relationship. Of some combination, three or more. It's That's the reality that we're in of these relationships that are basically saying, you know what? That whole marriage thing is so archaic. And, and I actually do recommend you doing this. Go to YouTube and type in polyamory testimonies. They're fascinating and heartbreaking. I've never heard a single one that didn't in their own story and in their own words show you why it didn't work. Why jealousy seeps in. Why that this design doesn't work. But at the beginning, it's like, hey, we've got kids. We have lots more hands on deck to help with the kids. It makes sense. But it's also this idea of, you know, a husband and wife, who then the husband has a girlfriend or the wife has a girlfriend or boyfriend or someone else. And how any combination can go, and it's like, it grieves the heart of God. Why, back to design, the created order, no. Disorder, yeah, it's like anything can go. And then one of the biggest things is about stewarding our differences. We need to celebrate the differences that, that God created in men and women. And we have stereotypes that actually mess us up as well, that actually hurt us. And most of you ladies could probably beat me up. If you don't know that, you probably could. I, I have health issues galore. My kids have just lightly punched me in the gut, and I pass out, blackout. I have Crohn's. Um, my my kid, the first thing he said when he went to youth group, to small group, he's in almost tears. I wish I could wrestle with my dad. And it's like, oh gosh, that's your problem to fine. <laughs> but it's true. I've never been able to wrestle with them. Never able to do stuff because of the limitations I've had. Um, differences that we have as masculine and feminine, male, and female. We need to that Other countries have done these big, big pushes for we need to get more women in STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which is great. I love – there's more opportunity than ever before, but the countries have been like, okay, we've pushed and pushed, and there's no one responding anymore. We have to have 50-50 men and women, and it's like a lot of women are going, but I don't want to. <laughs> and they're going to keep pushing this. No, we're different it's actually good to like different things and then again the stereotypes so we have the whole like well cooking oh that's for women really go to look at the shows most of them are men your know, music art women no look at all the famous people this is, we have stereotypes that somehow got construed through how we lived how we grew up tv movies all this kind of stuff that actually shapes us so what's a summary before we kind of go into application Summary is, marriage is one man and one woman versus anything goes. There is no other combination, period. We have to – I have to say that over and over and over in my classes. It's like they don't hear it, period. Man, One man, one woman, for life. There is no other combination. Anything else is pain. Those of you that have been divorced know what I'm talking about. It's pain. Those of you that have struggled, you know it's pain. Marriage is pain. Filled of hurt and pain and losses and questions and struggles too. The irony is the research shows you're healthier married than you are single. But then, where's the problem single? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But the problem single is often we try to do it alone. You were never meant to be alone. It's the body of Christ. It's prayer breakfasts. It's events as group of guys, group of ladies. It's outings. It's doing things together. Doing life together. That's what it's about. Gender, male and female. There are no other, other options. Versus emphasizing attractions and desires and sexual identity and trying to make this all complicated. You are male or you're female. How you present yourself. I love my pink coat and my, just, you know, purple, big purple coat and all of the things that I had. I love that. That was me just trying to figure myself out. Some of you have sons and daughters and grandkids, and you're just going, oh gosh, their hair's a different color now. It's this long, or it's that long, or they've done this, or they've shaved this shape to it, or they've done this, th- they've, they've lost their marbles. Yeah, probably. Don't worry about that, don't fight about that. How they present is one thing. Your relationship with them is actually what matters. The influence that you have. And then what is, About our sexuality, it's about stewardship versus unbridled freedom. We've got to go back to, again, that created order of how God created man and woman. And so we have this created order and disorder, sin, and then what about us? What is the word here that actually makes this work? Because I believe because of our selfish nature, we can't be in a church together. We can't be in community together. We can't be in marriage together. Why? Because I think I'm right all the time. That doesn't work well in a marriage when I think I'm right all the time. Have you noticed that at all, maybe? <laughs> It'd be great if she would just like not have an opinion. Wait, no, I want to be in a marriage with a human, not a you know, robot. And so what does it take to take surrender? And what is surrender? It's service. You go into Ephesians and you look at what that design of marriage is. It's about me serving my wife, my wife serving her husband. It's about relationship that requires me to give up. All these things that our world has basically said, stand up and be proud and this is who you are. No, I have to die to those things. Some of us have dreams of what we want to do with our life and some of those dreams need to die. Because that's me and it's selfish because we're a team now. I don't believe God calls a husband and wife in two different directions. Then we have two people we can call to different directions. It's the time to sit down and to get you know, the body of Christ to keep people in, to have conversations, and talk through. Is this a wise next step? And to realize that any choice is a risk. When we left Georgia and moved here nine years ago, we were driving cross country in a U-Haul, big you know big Penske truck, pulling my motorcycle on the back behind it. Going, what in the world am I doing? The great faithless Northwest. <laughs> Besides the politics, we have loved living here. We love the people. We love our church. We love, um, yeah, oh gosh, it's been incredible. But in my mind, I knew, well, if this is the right fit. a year from now, we pack up and move somewhere else because we're that way. Pastor's kid, missionary kid, we could move anytime, anywhere. But this idea of surrender and of service are critical to the application of God's design. Of marriage And of who we are and how we're to live So here's what applies to this church Here's how this this applies to us How do I become a redemptive voice? You can do this talk one here We can have a requirement that you must behave first Then believe in Christ And then you can come along and be a part of our fellowship That's how a lot of churches live Or Big Or you can belong as a part of our fellowship and a part of our body and a part of our family. And we're on a journey with you while you're asking questions and you're wrestling and you're sinning a lot, by the way. And may you someday believe so that you can become. It's a very different pathway of how we do life in church and in fellowship in the body of Christ. Is the body of Christ where we kind of lock the doors and make sure all the Christians are in? Because there are faiths like that. Where when the church meets, they lock the doors. And only members can be in. Only those that have their fire insurance card. I'm going to heaven. Or is this a place of fellowship? Because this isn't the body of Christ right now. You're all staring at me. That's really boring. The body of Christ is what we're going to do next week when you get the Easter eggs and spend hours putting candy in them. You know, doing that kind of stuff. It's the things you do together. It's the life that you live. It's the dealing with what you dealt with last year out here. Goodness gracious. The basically hell of the fires and the loss and the that's it. It's not this. This is boring, or you're boring, Me, you're just staring at you too. You're, you have more life than this, I hope. Um, so belong. I want you to come be a part. Come help us clean up. Come help us do not professing any faith is where you start. Knowing and praying for them to profess their faith one day. To become. Versus, again, that other way, which is often going to get us in trouble. So then what do we do with these different age groups? I want to talk through, kind of to wrap up here. What do we do with kids and teens and single adults? How do we talk? What do we do here? With kids. With kids. You were designed male and female with a purpose. We need to teach this to our kids. What's happening is the school system and the world and media and online is teaching our kids all sorts of stuff and most of us are actually silent on it. I have clients that have incredible parents, well-meaning parents that know I missed it on this one. I did not talk about this in a way that was redemptive or I was mean or I was, had bad jokes, was very critical of people that were different they needed to understand you were designed male and you were designed female for a reason, on purpose. This was not a mistake. It was God's choice. You're not, not yours. And how you grow up and express that, live that out. Beautiful, wonderful. Be kind to those that are different. Kids need to listen and learn that. They see someone that's different than them. They don't need to be that's stupid. I hear that from my kids sometimes. It drives me crazy. But where do they probably hear that from? And he's saying something stupid i mean a lot of the negatives my kids have they kind of picked up from me it's like oh gosh i be full of grace my kids need to be able to come to us Now, most kids by the way that are harmed will not come to us this is why the people you curate around them matters so the, the people that are actually going to be in their life taking care of them in the nursery being a part of different events sports events so, coaches, you want to curate. We do Boy Scouts and American Heritage Girls. I've been a scout leader for, for 10 years. Why? It's a group of dads that love these boys, and I would trust my boys to any of these dads. Why? Because they're going to talk to them most likely before they'll talk to me on some issues. And I want to set that up, and I get to be that for some of those boys. That's the body of Christ. That's what it's meant to be. Versus, boys they'd come to me. Well, I do, but also no reality. They probably won't. And so we have youth leaders that ask our kids all the time, every week, pornography use, masturbation, yes or no. Two words you probably don't want to hear in church, but yes, they ask that every week. To my sons. I love that. I ask them that too. They don't answer truthfully anymore. They just go grunt for the answer of their youth leader, which is really cool. And, and when that stuff has come up, our youth leaders basically say, you tell your dad or I will awesome we team together we partner together that's what it's meant to be and so our kids need us which by the way i feel like some of you are probably in the grandparent age and what's sad is we you should be up here Mm -hmm. we need to be listening to you your stories what you've gone through what god's taught you you have more to give than anyone else Yet, where? Where do, we, where do we have that space? Because some of you would never, ever stand up here. I know that. Mm-hmm. But it's those small groups where we have conversations. My favorite is around a campfire. Dads talk in ways around a campfire that, I'm a shrink, I want an eye contact. So it's hard for me to do that around a campfire. Um, but man, these men will open up around a campfire in ways that they would never one-on-one like an accounting office. We need you guys, teens. What do we need to do with our teens? Stand strong in your beliefs and convictions. They need to have some first, taught by us. And I believe that as kids grow up, they kind of listen to whoever they learn some of this stuff first from. If they learn about gender and sexuality from school first, and then you're talking about it when they're 13, because hey, it's time to have the talk, yeah, good luck with that. They think you're antiquated, it's too late. Versus, I have a book that I wrote called "I Can't Say That for Parents." It teaches a biblical view of all this stuff, and it kind of helps you process through what do I believe, so I can teach my kids. But it's the talk at age one, the talk at age two, the talk at age three, the talk at age four, prepping them. California, about two and a half years ago, um, said that all 15 genders need to be taught in the local kindergartens. Which I don't know where they got 15 from, because on Facebook there's 75 options. And I don't even understand where they get this from. But parents were freaking out because you know, especially California, they're all dual-income families. They can't homeschool necessarily. A lot of people. So what do you do? I think well, you teach them. Oh, they're too young. So they're too young for you to talk to them. But they're not too young for someone you don't even know at school to talk to them. Let me out of there. really? Come on, us. We need to be on the front lines before kindergarten. Teaching our kids some of these things, why they're going to get it there. It's so critical. They They need to be an example. They need to be kind. They need to be a leader in biblical living. Actually, one of my sons yesterday said, one of his friends messaged him and said, hey, can you hold me accountable for something? Can you basically man up and not just be the dumb teenage friend, but can you be my real friend who calls me out on stuff? Yes. Love that. That's hard. Kawaii, right? because a version of friendship oftentimes is just, you know, coddle let me. Let me be stupid and just celebrate that. Single adults, community is your lifeblood. You are not meant to do this alone. Living on a mission with a vision, you're meant to do something. One of my great friends, my biker friends in Georgia, he's, he's retiring this year from 35 or 36 years of UPS. This has been a job his whole life. Single guy, he has been more of a youth pastor than most youth, most youth pastors I know. No matter boys and men, he, he's brought into his house to give them a place to stay, to help them get on their feet, to get them off drugs, to get them away from bad situations. His ministry is not UPS. That's a paycheck. It's allowed him to do things that are beautiful. We need to be actually live that out. Have high expectations. Who you marry, who you'll settle for, hang out with you. Married. Be all in with your partner, for your partner. Hurt together, grieve together. Grieve, give freely. They ought to be your best friend. If they're not, you got some work to do. And then your calling is to teach and lead your children and other children, actually, intentionally. This is why this is so important. A biblical Foundation of marriage and gender and sexuality, and that God created you perfectly. Widowed, single again, community is critical. Whether it's here or in this building, which I love to see this building just always hopping with stuff going on, or in homes, wherever it's at, we cannot do this alone. And you know what's crazy? The LGBT community puts churches to shame. Most individuals in that, in that community know that at any point of time, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., if I have a problem, I know which house to go to. And there's a warm bed, there's a meal, and they're more loving, I would say, than most churches I know. Of. Churches have office hours, in some sense. Can I help everyone know? Realizing that this is hard work, actually. Living a life of service. <laughs> I loved when I was a youth pastor intern um, to see that a lot of those that served the youth were these single again individuals and right. widowed individuals. They would give up their one of their two weeks a year off to go on a mission trip or go on, a, you know, give up to serve and to be a part of our youth ministry. That was so incredible. Be an example. Don't be silent. It's so important. Number one priority is the long game. Building relationship. Knowing your theology and your beliefs. Living ordered versus disordered. Thriving in community. Being an example and being patient. That long game is your son, your daughter, your grandkid may not turn around today. It may not for 20 years. But be there when they fall flat on their face. Because they will. We actually all do. And they're searching. They don't know where to turn anymore. And you're like... I love you. Don't have to even bring up, I don't accept what you've done or how you've lived. They know that. I love you. This is biblical love. Not the love that's pimped in our culture of just whatever you feel, or me accepting whatever you're doing. Biblical love is actually hard. It's the long game. It's building community. Go back to those verses we started with. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than their creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to sinful lusts. That should scare us. It scares me. That if I actually want something other than you, God, he will go, Okay. That's an example, by the way, for us. Your sons, your daughters, sometimes you have to go, okay, you know the consequence. You know I'm here. And I'm going to stand strong on the truth. not cave, not become a LGBT ally. I'm going to stand on the truth so that when you fall, I'm here. Romans 1, 24 through 32. I actually looking at 32. Although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. This is where we need to be careful that we don't go. That we stand on a biblical foundation for life and marriage. People of faith, and this is to me is so important. People of faith, I, I profess to be a believer. Who are navigating gender identity issues are our people. Think of that phrase. It's not someone out there. It's men and women, boys and girls that are in, part of our, our community, of our church, part of our family. But if we're not careful, we think of it as an out there thing, and my compassion is a little less. It's hard to we, we hurt for Ukraine, but it's different when you're not in Ukraine. We talked to friends of ours here in Salem who have family living in Kiev, in Ukraine. Yeah, they're feeling a very different effect. Same for when there are, you know, tornadoes ravaging through the east. We're like, Well, that stinks. Unless it's your family that is ravaging through. Just like they felt when there were fires here. It's like, yeah, here it's burning out east, out west. Now, those in the south are like, yeah, that stinks. Pray But It doesn't hurt. It's a whole different story when it's my son, my daughter, my sibling. My best friend, these are our people. And how to be a redemptive voice that stands on God's word. Not in an abusive way ever. Gentle. As you may never have to bring it up again. They know what you believe. But you're standing strong to it. Waiting for that day to have that conversation to go. Not you win them over for the Holy Spirit to work in their life. That they're open to the Holy Spirit to work. And to come to Christ and to know the truth and the truth set them free. great. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com And if you think you could use some support along the way be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com And one more thing If you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world.